All right, everyone, welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines back with Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and it is Combine Week. Happy Combine Week, everyone. We get get to spend our week with hand measurements, arm lengths, 40-yard dashes, bench presses, all that good stuff that, that comes with being in Indianapolis for the week. So, we will spend the next you know, 40, 45 minutes breaking down some of these prospects we're looking at, uh, some of the storylines we're looking at throughout this week. And Alex, I was going to ask you who has like one guy who has the most to gain from this whole thing. And then I was saying, should we start with the quarterbacks? But I have a feeling that maybe the guy who has the most to gain this week is a quarterback and maybe one specific lefty from Washington. Yeah. So yeah. I'll I, I, I pose that question for you and then maybe we can transition that into the quarterbacks. Yeah. I, I would honestly say he has the most to lose more than the most to gain. I hate to phrase it in, in such a negative light, but I mean, we all saw what Michael Penix did against Texas in the playoffs. We all know what his ceiling is, but if his knees made a paper mache, I think I'm in the extreme on this because it's funny where I was, I and still am a big Michael Penix fan. You know, I've cooled on him a little bit for the Patriots because they ended up with the third pick. And as much as I like Michael Penix, I think he's the fourth quarterback. So if you're picking third, why? Right. But to the people who want to take Marvin Harrison Jr. or a tackle or trade down or whatever, right? So now all of a sudden, all the people who were anti Michael Penix because they want to take these other people are now like, well, that's great if he fails his medical you know, you get him in the second round and then you still get the tackle or you still get the receiver and you get Michael Penix. If he's not, if his medicals come back poorly enough that he's not worth a team taking in the first round, I don't think I want him. Yeah. Maybe like, maybe when he gets like the fifth, sixth round, whatever, if he's still there, but it's an all or nothing position for me. And I talked about this with Taylor when I was on with him last week and I kind of went on this rant about it. No half measures a quarterback. If you draft Michael Penix and he can't get through a season, I mean, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but you still have that same problem where, all right, cool, Michael Penix lit it up in September and October, but if he can't stay healthy, you better have a damn good backup. And at that point, all right, so you have a start, you have another starter. So why do you have Michael Penix? So, like, he's a good, Michael Penix is going to get drafted. This isn't, uh, maybe being a little bit dramatic there, but I, at that position, I don't know how you look at Michael Penix if the medicals come back with red flags and say, this is the guy we want to be the future of our organization. I don't know how you look at that. It's it's Dominique Easley at the quarterback position. Now, yeah. that being said, if Michael Penix passes with flying colors and his knees are in great shape and the cartilage is still there and his shoulders are fine, he should knock it out of the top 10. Uh, call it top 12. I'm trying to remember where that run is. Uh, of quarterback teams um, like Vikings at 13 or the Raiders 13. Those two teams are right. You think I'd have the order memorized. You know what? Most years I have the order memorized, but that's because the Patriots are picking somewhere from like 15 to 25. So I have to know everybody ahead of them to know the situations. I I know who one and two are. I'll tell you that this year. Um, (laughs) Minnesota 11, Vegas 13. It's it's the Giants at six to the Saints at 14 is what I consider the, the quarterback run. Michael Maybe Penix. Seattle at 16, too, for Penix, if he gets that far. Honestly, you want, well, the idea is that there's other teams in here, like, I mean, Chicago's not taking two quarterbacks, so nine becomes a spot where you could see a trade. Um, maybe, you know, 
Minnesota re-signs Kirk Cousins and they want to do a developmental guy later. So there's spots you could trade up. But like, I don't think if Seattle wants a quarterback, they're not going to wait at 16. I think they're going to. Right. So I think 13 is the late or 14 is the latest it gets without an aggressive move like that. Um, That being said, yeah, I, if Michael Penix passes with flying colors, he should not get past 14. He is the fourth best quarterback in this class. I don't think it's close between four and five, whether you have JJ McCarthy there, whether you have Bo Nix there. And by the way, I have warmed up on JJ McCarthy a little bit, a little bit still have no interest in the Patriots taking him, but I've warmed up on him a little bit. Not, um, not warm enough to them in like the top 10, like some of these other. We're, we're still in the freezer. We're still in the freezer. <laughs> we're out of the deep freeze. You ever see a freezer that has like a deep freeze? Yeah. We're out of the deep freeze. We're still very much in the freezer with JJ McCarthy, but no longer in the deep freeze. Um, Michael Penix, QB4 in this draft. And I don't think it's close. And I think he's a first round talent. And I think he is the kind of guy you cannot just win with, but win because of assuming he's healthy. So he's going to get the medical write-ups. I, I would think we're going to hear about it. Like, remember Zach Koontz last year? I was a huge Zach Koontz guy. <laughs> remember Zach Koontz last year? And he had, nobody knew what his injury was. He just had some, we knew it was really bad. It was reported a devastating injury. And Ian Rapport tweeted out like, oh, hey, he did his medical testing. He's fine. I'm not saying we're going to get like, yeah, Michael Penix's left knee is it, or it's all his right knee, but like his right knee is at 80% and his shoulders at 95%. But I think we'll get, more or less a pass fail at some point during the week. I think we'll hear that. And that won't be, you know, different teams will grade it differently. I think that'll be more consensus. But I, to me, this week is the difference between him being a top 15 pick and him maybe falling out of the top 50. I think that's the kind of difference you're talking about with a guy with his injury history and, and you factor in the position and the age and all of that. Yeah, we got that last year. Another tight end. It was Dalton Kincaid. I was just—he had a back injury. I don't think That's he did right. anything at the the combine. And then they had a doctor send a letter to like all the teams, and they cleared him. And then Schefter uh, released that letter. So maybe you get something like that. But yeah, for you know, for those who you know are just following on the, the draft and don't really know Penix, it was four season-ending injuries. He tore his right ACL twice. He had you know injuries to both his shoulders that. Uh, cut season short so this is like the first time teams can really sit down and run through these medicals and physicals uh, uh, with him and, and kind of see how that all that all checks out so he is throwing on saturday i believe is the quarterback workouts uh yes he is throwing uh fortunately caleb williams is not throwing Jaden daniels is not throwing we have yet to hear uh, about drake may so those are like how the top three are shaking out but if Penix with the medicals if he has the most to lose do you think one of these guys has the most to gain or maybe it's, you know, going to that JJ McCarthy tier? Like do one of these quarterbacks have a, a lot to gain this week, either on or off the field with either medicals or, or some of these interviews with teams? So I think Jane Daniels has some, because he'll say he's not taking part, but he'll still weigh in. And where's he at? You know, is he six, three, six, four, six, five? Is he, I mean, he should be over 200 pounds. I've seen some people who are like, Oh, he's going to measure in at like 198. I, even if he's normally 198, like he's on the plane right now to Indianapolis, just pounding cliff bars. And he's been weighing in at 198 all season. Um, who didn't remember Bryce Young? We did that with him last year. It was all like, well, he come in at over 190. That was like all thing. And yeah. he did. And then it turned out that he had like a massive pasta dinner uh, for or massive pasta lunch before going to his way in or something. Um, 
that St. That, Elmo's all day. Right, exactly. Well, those shrimp, the shrimp, shrimp won't fill you. You got to get carbs, man. Michael Scott training for the 5K. <laughs> I think that, so Daniels in summer guard, the guy who actually might have the most to gain, and it goes to what you just talked about, is Drake May. Because I do think the gap between May, the gap between May and Daniels at this point is indistinguishable. If you want to tell me you have May at two, if you want to tell me, you like I have Daniels at two, there are people, uh, Evan has, for instance, I was talking to Evan about this the other day. He has Drake Maya too, although I think he's wavering, but like his argument, I, it's not that I disagree with it. It's just, we value different things at the quarterback position. It's, we see it differently. There's no discernible gap between the two. There's somewhat of a discernible gap between three and four, whoever you have at three and four. Um. So for, and, and then there's a huge gap, I think between three and five between Drake May and then down to Bo Nix and J.J. McCarthy. And if you want to get a Spencer Rattler, Joe Milton, right? So if you're Drake May, and I think we had talked about this on a show a while ago, it becoming kind of like a game of chicken with him and Jaden Daniels, right? Because it's mutually beneficial to both of them if they do the same thing. If one per, and, and now we know that for Jaden Daniels, that's sitting out. So now Drake May is a choice. Does he go with the risk reward? Because if he works out, and he's throwing next to J.J. McCarthy. He's throwing next to Bo. He's standing next to J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix. Just seeing his frame, right? He's throwing next to those guys. He's working out next to those guys. People are going to look at him and be like, wow, this guy's really good. Like, look at him compared to them. Because it sounds cheesy. The combine is a lot of that. It's it's Teams will look at guys and be like, they've seen them both on tape, but you see them stand next to each other. And you see them run back-to-back. And you see them throw back-to-back. And you can really... That's that's one of the biggest value points of the combine. If I'm Drake May, you know, I'm confident in myself. Yeah, let these scouts see me throw next to J.J. McCarthy. Let these scouts see me throw next to Joe Milton. Because it's indistinguishable right now, 2-3. Suddenly, Jane Daniels sitting on the couch, and here comes Drake May balling out, and maybe he locks himself. Maybe Washington looks at it and says, you know what? We like what we saw, and we like Jane Daniels too. But this guy was here, and we saw him, and we liked it. There's, um, I, I, I was on. I think I was. Just, who was I talking about this with? I think it was Taylor. That no, somebody else. Oh, Saron Battle was on Sunday kickoff. That part of the reason Drake May's standing has fallen. We really haven't heard from him since November. Now yeah. Jane Daniels hasn't played in the same amount of time, but he won the Heisman. He went through all that, right? UNC lost those two games in like late October. They were out of the playoff picture and Drake may really became out of sight, out of mind. And I think that may be at least externally and and external and internal is always a little different, but you know, is there some of that going on in NFL draft rooms too, where there's just been nothing new with Drake may there hasn't been reason to watch it. You watched his regular season. You're good on that. You know, Jane Daniels, there's new information. There, there were guys that, you know, went to the senior bowl, right? We saw those guys at the senior bowl. So they have more recent stuff. It might not hurt Drake may to go out there and be like, Hey guys, remember me? Yep. Consensus QB two coming into the season and show everybody why he was consensus QB two coming into the season. So I usually think Drake may has a lot to get. Now he may also look at it and say, you know, on the off chance something happens, either I get hurt or I just, you know, I'm not feeling it that day. I'll sit down. I'll be a top five pick regardless. I'm just going to let it be. And I'd understand that. But I think going out there and really, you know, showing what he can do, it could be 
we're only talking about one draft spot, right? We're talking three to two or maybe four to two, five to one time about a couple draft spots, but don't think that doesn't matter to these guys. And don't think QB two versus QB three doesn't matter to these guys. It would be really interesting to see if, if Drake may goes out there and, and decides to put on a clinic as combine QB one, because there'll be no doubt of the guys working out. He's, yeah. he's at the top of the list. Yeah, definitely. And it's a good point. Just even, you know, seeing him stand next to some of these other guys, right. Cause like, that's a big part of his thing is, you know, he's six, four, he's got that ideal body type. And I forget if it was macro or Cameron Williams in that team released video. I think it was during the senior bowl where they're like, all these guys kind of until that week are just, you know, a number to us. And now this is the right. first time where we can really put a face to the number that we've been watching on film all year. And, you know, part of that is meeting with these guys throughout the week. So just seeing him like that and, and you know, probably towering over JJ McCarthy and, you know, bigger than Bo Nix, like that, that could be, you know, intriguing for a team. And, and as you know, that might not sound like something that, you know, matters, but it, it might matter to, to some of these some of these teams so that'll be interesting uh to see if he throws uh Jaden daniels isn't throwing do you think he will run and are you expecting him to touch four fours and how do you think that would impact his stock if, if that i if that i don't think he's gonna run i I'd, I'd be uh pretty surprised just because i was it report i think it was reported that he wasn't gonna run i thought i just saw that or am i thinking of caleb williams I thought they just said throw. Maybe they said drills, though. Um, let's see here. So it says he not work out. Okay. I so I, I read that as no. Yeah. No I, I think he'd run in the fourth. Well, the value would have been if he comes in, see where he measures in at, and then if he's bulked up, if he's put on weight, is he still moving as well as he was? That would have been the value. Um, independently, like if he's still sitting around 210, 215, yeah, he should run in the four fours. I'd expect him to run in the four fours. He'll run in the four fours at his pro day one way or the other. But um, I, yeah, he, he's not going to run. I'm, I'm not really surprised by that. I think nothing he, he, he look, he wasn't going to run in the four twos, right? That just wasn't going to happen. He's not that fast. I, I don't even think he'd get in the four threes. I think he was probably going to be like a four, four, five, four, four, six, four, four, seven guy. So if I'm him, Speed's very apparent on tape. Either you simply confirm priors or you open the door to questions about whether or not your speed actually plays in the NFL. And that is a monumentally important question for him. So I, I, there's not a ton of, uh, of reason for him to risk running the 40. I, I would be surprised if he ran it. Yep. So again, no Kale Williams. He'll be there. Interviews will yeah. be big for, for him, but uh, Jane, Same with Daniels. Jane Daniels too. He'll be there. Yeah. He'll be interviewing. And he'll weigh uh, in and all that. And then we'll wait and see on Drake May's status. Any, and, and we talked about Michael Penix, any of the other guys, you know, we briefly mentioned McCarthy, Bo Nix, Joe Milton, you know, anything, Spencer Rattler interviews will be big for him too, probably, but anything else you're looking at, any of those other quarterbacks, Michael Pratt, like any of these guys. I'm just kind of interested in watching Rattler. I've warmed up on him a little bit, actually. And I, I need to see, I need to see the weigh in though. And I know he, he weighed in at the senior bowl. This is a more considered more accurate measurement. I'm curious what weigh in. I want to see measure in height. And Joe Milton said, he's going to try to throw football 120 yards, the combine. So obviously I'm going to be locked in for that. Cause that's going to be awesome. If he does it, I doesn't necessarily make him draftable. Still don't know what Joe Milton is. I've kind of given up on trying, but he's fun. I know that he's fun. And I hope they let him, Troy Brown didn't let him 
rip it right at the senior bowl. So I'm hoping they let him rip it here at the combine. Cause that'll, I don't know how much it tells us, but at the end of the day, it's football. It's supposed to be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Was it, uh, Anthony Richardson, who hit the roof last – that was a pro day, though, I think. That was, was a that pro a, day. As, you're not hitting the roof. Yeah, I know you're not. But was <laughs> well, that Anthony Richardson? Joe Milton is Joe Milton. Yeah, Anthony Richardson <laughs> hit, the, hit the roof at Florida on his on – his you're talking about a couple hundred foot difference. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah. significant. Lucas Loyal um, is – yeah, you're not hitting that, but – Let's see, actually. Maybe oh, if I, anyone was going to do it, though, maybe it would be Joe Milton at this point. But. Lucas Oil Stadium. How high is the roof inside Lucas Oil Stadium? 270 feet. So for comparison, how far off the ground is the Dallas Cowboys scoreboard? So the Dallas Cowboys scoreboard is 90 feet off the ground. Oh, wow. The Lucas Oil roof is 270 feet off the ground. But if anybody can hit it, <laughs> it's Joe Miller. It's Bazooka Joe. So I'm not going to rule it out and tie it. Look, a couple years ago on the show, we, we were previewing the combine and we did, we were that year. And I don't know exactly what combine week is going to look like this year because Brian's traveling and they moved it up during the day. But this is when the workouts were at night. They would start at like Evan at eight o'clock. So me and Evan would do like seven to eight. We talk about last night's workouts and then get ahead. And before he signed off for the defensive line ones, Evan said, What are you looking forward to? I said, Jordan Davis running a sub five. And it's all these. 370 pound Jordan Davis going to run a sub five. So I think this is a little less unrealistic than that, but it is Joe Milton. I'm not going to dismiss him hitting. Now he'd have to be trying to hit it. I don't think he's naturally yeah. going to throw a ball, throw a 270 feet in the air. But like if he went <laughs> straight up with it, could he get it up there? Maybe, maybe. I hope he tries. I'll brand him like an orange and make him throw an orange and try to oh, hit he'll the throw roof. an orange out and open the roof and see, and see <laughs> and if he can throw the orange out of the stadium. Watch him launch it. <laughs> that would be that would be good but uh yeah that's the quarterback rundown obviously all eyes on, on that position for the patriots uh, that number three they are working out on saturday uh the ones who are deciding to throw so that that'll be the big one to watch throughout the week but let's take a very quick break we'll hear from our friends at FanDuel, and then we will talk about some other prospects on the offensive side of the football Get your buckets with your first bet at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams. Quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Massachusetts 21 plus and present in MA. Hope is here. First online real money line wager, only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24 seven support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800 GAM one two three four. All right, you want to start with receivers or offensive linemen and tackles? Uh, let's start with receivers. That one's easier. Receivers. All right, so we got a lot of these guys that we saw at the Senior Bowl. You know, the Lad McConkeys, the Roman Wilsons. A uh, good chance for some of the guys who weren't as impressive at the Senior Bowl, like Tez Walker, 
Uh, Xavier Leggett could have a good week. You know, he's kind of one of these, you know, physical guys who should impress at the combine. But uh, and then some guys who, you know, weren't at the senior bowl and we didn't get a look at like some of those Texas guys, A.D. Mitchell, uh, Xavier Worthy, the Washington guys, Polk and McMillan. So uh, who's on your radar going into the week and who has something to gain and something to lose? Well, I, I think the big thing at the wide receiver position is it was such a good week for some of these guys at the, well, actually, no, let's start at the top. Everything I said before about Drake May applies to Roma Dunze because Martin Harrison Jr. Malik neighbors yeah. are sitting it out. Roma Dunze is going to work out. I He's not going to catch Harrison. I, I really don't think he's going to catch Harrison. Could he, with a really strong showing, become wide receiver too with Malik neighbors sitting down? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there's that at the top of the board. Uh, I'm interested in seeing both Texas guys run Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell. I think they're, well, I don't know that Xavier Worthy's time itself is going to be surprising. Like, he should be one of the fastest. But, like, does he get into the the four threes? I think there's a chance he ends up in the four threes. Then you get to that group, right? The, like, 40 to 90 range receivers that are all bunched up. And so many of them were at the Senior Bowl. And so many of them did so well. So for me, for those guys, it's confirming priors. For other guys, it's about playing catch up or bouncing back. And obviously the two guys from the senior bowl we talked a lot about were Xavier Leggett and Tez Walker. Neither one had a great senior bowl. Both these guys are supposed to be dominant physically. Size, speed, all that. So I think it's it's if they test less than expected, now you have a bad senior bowl. Combine testing isn't what you wanted. Now you're talking about really sliding in the draft. And then also just the guys in that range that weren't at the senior bowl that didn't get to go side to side with those guys. So that's like Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, Jermaine Burton. Um, I know I'm missing an obvious one and I apologize. Ah, Troy Franklin, right? Yeah. Those guys going side by side with these senior bowl guys be like, yeah, I wasn't there, but look, now I'm on the same field as them. And I look the same. I think a lot of the sorting out in that group uh, gets done or starts to get done yeah. this week. Yep. I mean, the top three guys, it's kind of like the quarterbacks, right? Where it feels like there's the consensus with, you know, Marvin Harrison, and then maybe the two and three guys are close. So interesting that that Roma Dunze is going to go out there and work out as the other two aren't. Uh, I want to see Malik Neighbors run. That's disappointing. I guess we'll see it at the, at the pro day, but he, he can fly, obviously. So that would have been fun. But um, Roman Wilson, I mean, he ran a 4 3 7 in high school track. So I don't know if he's able to replicate that again a few years later here, but uh, watching him, he, he should be able to fly. And even Lad McConkie, uh, I think, I don't know if it was Daniel Jeremiah or Dane Brugler said they were expecting him to be like low four fours and maybe even four threes, I think. So uh, that, that would be another one. Interesting once two of those kind of slot guys had really good weeks down there at the senior bowl, if they could, you know, post, low four fours that's only going to you know boost their stock even more probably then you're probably talking about them at like 34 or early in that second round right. so those two guys will be interesting to watch and uh well, and the other guy i want to see obviously is johnny wilson and and that's yeah. measurements and 40 you know the the rumor has been coming out you know six eight two what is he 240 that feels like too much um He's big. Wilson. Yeah, he he waited. Yes, yeah, six seven six seven two thirty eight. Supposedly he was running high four fours, low four fives in high school. Like if Johnny Wilson comes out and runs in the four fours, you're talking about going from 
a fringe top 100 pick to a potential first round pick to like a top 50 pick. So uh, Johnny Wilson definitely has a ton to get. I, I think if he runs poorly, he's more or less going to be where he is right now, which is like a third round pick. If he runs well, you're going to start hearing some people say, ah, I could be a first round pick could sneak into the end of the first round. So, um, because again, he's not the most polished, but like some team will see the size speed combination and be like, we can fix him. Yep. And, uh, Keon Coleman, his teammate, is running too. So that's another guy yeah. who well, he has to run because he his stock has been plumbing. yeah. So he, he has to run post a post a good good time to try to get his stock uh, back on track. But uh, any other receivers? You know, we mentioned a, a good portion of those guys, kind of that day two, round two, round three range. But anyone else you have, you have your eye on in that group? I think just later on on the chance Patriots double up, like familiarizing ourselves with some of these later guys, uh, Nia Smith from Texas A&M is a player I like who was at senior bowl, didn't get a ton of buzz. Uh, Jordan Whittington, same thing from Texas. Uh, Bub means just, you know, just do any of these, do, do any of the guys who are going to go on day three, like guys who test super through the roof who are projected on day three. Now they're not day three picks, but are there any guys later on that, you know, age, maybe size, whatever, like aren't going to be, you know, in the top 150, but do any of them pop and be like, basically, can you find this year's Pop Douglas? Can you find the guy that, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but oh yeah, they can, if they want to double up, they can get this guy in the sixth, seventh round, like he'll give them something. Like, can we find that guy? Does that guy maybe stand out and emerge? Um, I like Jordan Whittington for that personally from Texas. Now he's a very different type of receiver. Yeah. He's, he's more a possession chain mover. So, Texas had all these big play threats, right? Jadavian Sanders running down the field. They had Xavier Worthy, you know, catch and run from the short and go. They had A.D. Mitchell down the field. Jordan Whittington was the guy that was running like the 7 to 12 yard routes and going and just sitting down at the sticks and uh, super reliable, not explosive, but super reliable receiver, which I think there's something to be said for that, certainly, especially if you lose a guy like Kendrick Bourne. So does he maybe emerge as a, as a double dip guy? Yeah, he, he was always funny watching Texas because they have all these studs and then it, it's just like, who's this guy with the long hair that keeps making all these you know, right. big plays and big moments? So uh, it'll be interesting uh, to watch uh, in Indy this week. But we can transition into the trenches with the offensive tackles. Obviously, uh, another big area of need in this. You know, someone asked in the chat, why are these measurements so important? This is the position, you know, these offensive tackles where it is very important, the arm length, can they stay out on the edge or are they going to have to bump inside the guard? The number in recent years has you know, been around like that 33-inch mark. So yeah, in the last 11 years, only two tackles were taken in the first round who had shorter than 33-inch arms. One of them is Justin Pugh, who became a guard like three years in his career. And then Rashawn Slater's right at that 33-inch mark. Yeah. So Peter Skaronsky, I say like people, oh, does it really matter? This time last year, we all thought Peter Skaronsky was going to be the first tackle off the board. He ended up being the third or fourth, and then he played every snap at guard for the Tennessee Titans this year. Like it matters for 32 and seven eighths. Get ready to learn interior offensive line, buddy. That's just the way the NFL looks at it. 100%. So uh, there's, I'd say there's two projected like top 40 picks to kind of watch in that range. And it's uh, Troy Fatanu from Washington and Jordan Morgan from Arizona, who Morgan actually. You know, speaking of 32 and 7 eighths, he measured in at that at, at the senior bowl a few weeks ago. Now he's probably doing some arm stretches and you know, whatever drills they right. can come up with over this past month to stretch those out. But 
uh, those seem like the two top tackles that might have a little bit of worry about bumping in, in, inside to guard at the next level here. Yeah, and so you mentioned Jordan Morgan. The other one that people are kind of speculating on is Troy Fatano from Washington. And is he going to come in? Everybody else, I think, just eyeballing people. Not, and I'm not good at this, but the 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 people who – I always find it weird that there's always one or two guys that, you know, the draft experts kind of start talking about, yeah, it might come in shorter, might come in shorter. And then they usually are either shorter right around there. And I don't know if they talk to people at these guys' schools or they can just eyeball it and they know exactly what a 33-inch arm looks like. But, like – I just kind of always go by them. And obviously, like I said, we know Morgan measured it at the senior bowl. He came up short in that, no pun intended. And then uh, Fatanu again is the other one that, that these kind of experts are talking about is, Hey, he may not hit that 33 inch mark. And it doesn't mean he won't be a first round pick, but now he's a guard. Now you're looking at him as a guard and the Patriots do not need to take another first round guard. They don't. Yep. And I'd say like maybe day two, like Kansas Dominique, is it Puni or, or Punny? And, and then uh, yeah, Duke's yeah. Graham Barton, two other guys who played tackle. Or, or, you know, the Kansas guy, I think he played guard his junior year, then he, he moved outside. But those are two guys who played tackle last year, uh, and they'll probably project best inside at the next level. But, um, you know, someone said Tyler Guyton at 34. I'd be surprised if he's there at 34, especially yeah. after this week where, you know, he's one of these really athletic guys who's probably going to uh, kind of impress at, at the combine. But uh, any other, you know, tackles you're watching, whether it's arm length or athletically or, or just anything else throughout this week. So the important thing here, and I won't do the whole, they run the 40 time because that's how, you know, <laughs> to cover punch spiel. You can read it. It's up on 98.5sports.com. But I think something a lot of people don't pay attention to. So when you get to 40 times, they give them in 10 yard splits and you can go on NFL.com and they'll tell you, you know, okay, it took them like 1.5 seconds to get to 10 yards. And then this is how long it took them to get to 20 and 30. And for linemen, I don't really care about the 40 time. I, um, what's his name from the jets ran that, uh, Becton ran that insane 40 at like 370 pounds. Everybody freaked out. And how's Mackay Becton doing his 10 yard split. Wasn't great. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't so unbelievable. For the linemen, you want to go in and look at the 10-yard splits because what that will show you is how quickly, how explosively do they get out of their stance and get up and get – and this applies to a lot. Like, even receivers, two guys run a 4-5-40. Not all 4-5s are the same Like, because how often are you running 40 yards uninterrupted? More often than not, even deeper route combinations, you're running 10 to 15 yards and then making some kind of cut. So, you know, if two guys run a four or five, but one guy's 20 yard split is much better than the other guy's 20 yard split. Give me the guy that got up to speed quicker rather than the guy that slowly built up with linemen. You don't care as much about the 20, but the 10, again, how powerful, how explosive did they get out of the stance and get going? Cause that shows you leg strength, core strength, all of that. So when you're looking at the tackles, I feel a lot of people roll their eyes at the tackle forties. The actual 40 number, you don't put a ton of stock into. I'm not saying don't put a ton of stock. Don't. And I, you don't have to. Don't. There is valuable information there. You just got to dig a little deeper to find it. Yeah. I mean, there shouldn't be too many plays where your linemen are running 40 yards on Sundays, right? right? Something's it, it, probably gone horribly wrong. Yeah. You're talking about a Jacoby Myers kind of lateral play. Yeah. So you want that that 10-yard split is really important because that's, you know, they're pulling, they're getting out in space, and they're working within that 10 yards. So. So that's what, what that's what you want there. But 
Uh, let's take one last very quick break. We will hear from our other friends over at LinkedIn, and then we can wrap it up with a few more positions on offense, and we'll quickly touch on defense as well. So this show is brought to you by LinkedIn Talent Solutions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you want to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Uh, it can be a pain, right? Finding people for jobs, but LinkedIn Jobs definitely makes it easy. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the very best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. It's so easy. See how many easies are in there? They're right. So many easies. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat, B-E-A-T. That's linkedin.com slash beat, B-E-A-T. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. All right, so very quickly before we go over to some defenders and some defensive guys, any other running backs or tight ends that you know we didn't touch on with pass catchers that you're kind of you're kind of looking at as you know probably some needs here and some holes in the later rounds for for the Patriots. Uh, just just in general, just you know, tight end position I think is one that generally shines at the combine. So who who stands out from that group? Yeah. No running backs, Dylan Labe. I mean, like I'm. Inter- I, I don't know that any one guy stands out. It's it's yeah. more for me, like just let him work out, and we'll see where it falls. We'll see who pops. There's nobody. I'm, you know, yeah. oh, well, this guy I think is make or break, or this guy. Um, just kind of let's let's see what the numbers are, and we'll react to them. Yep. All right, so we'll switch over to defense, and, and we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, I think the biggest need is up front. The Patriots release Lawrence Guy. Josh Uche is a free agent. Matthew Judon's future with the team is, you know, undecided with, you know, last year of his deal coming off the injury, no guaranteed money. Something's going to have to budge there. So you could be looking at some edge rushers in this draft and maybe early on day two if they end up moving on from uh, from Judon there. So we took Mohamed Kamara from Colorado State in our mock draft uh, last week, who I think we're both big fans of, but any other guys uh, from that kind of edge rusher or defensive front pool that, that you're watching uh, in India? Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, there's a couple specific names, guys like Nelson Caesar, Javon Solomon, um, Jay Alex Hunt's a really interesting player from Houston Christian who kind of projects as more athletic, but big picture. Let's say the Patriots lose Josh Uche, right? And they need it add a situational pass rush. They want to do that from the draft. That position, like specifically that role that Uche's playing is based heavily in just raw athleticism, right? And explosiveness. So, all right, if we're going to do the whole round four, round five athletic pass rushers, there's a chance to find out who's the most athletic and who's the most explosive and, and put some numbers behind that. So there's like a group of guys that we all, that we know are like athletic edge guys. I, I just ran off some names, Xavier uh, Thomas from Clemson's another one, but who really is from that group? Like who really stands out as like the best of the best in terms of the athletes. So, that's that's kind of what I'm looking for. It's just who who pops from the day three guys as maybe a potential uh, 
Josh Uche replacement. Yep. I mean, if you want to get the athletic replacement, this is the chance to find him, obviously, right. at, at the combine. But Have you done anything on Jalex Hunt? So I just kind of stumbled. Not on. really, no. So I, I and I honestly, this is how like what school is he from? Did you say? Uh, Houston Christian, or it, what it used to be Houston Baptist. It's now called yeah. Houston Christian. So yeah, I I've done. I want to do more work on him, and I was kind of using the combine as a jumping off point. Um, so he was a safety at Cornell after playing wide receiver in high school and just came out and dominated and then had a growth spurt. So he's 6'4", 240. Like I'll give you right now from the draft network. Strengths, size and length, athletic profile, natural feel for the pass rush. And the concerns are basically that like he's never really played. He's played edge rusher for one season. And he did it at the FCS level. Like he just changed positions. So that's the, I mean, Bill was still here. That's the guy we're <laughs> circling for him to take in the third. We were supposed to go in like the fifth, um, fifth or the sixth. But yeah, that's the kind of guy where they can kind of go bridge at edge rusher. Maybe if you feel like you're going to get a lot more from Keon White, you're going to play in like 65, 70%, something like that. Um, maybe you, you get him as a developmental player. Uh, so he'll be really interesting to watch because there's not a ton of exposure to him at all. There's not a ton of, you know, mo- he spent all his time playing safety and how much of that. It's not like he's moved from safety to linebacker. Now he's just a coverage linebacker moved from safety to edge rusher. So he's a guy that will be really interesting to watch. But again, just the, the athletic guys in that range of the draft overall. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just watching some clips of him and I mean he looks like he moves like a safety still but he's Dane Brugler had a tweet like he added 50 plus pounds after playing defensive back and he still you know moves like a like a defensive back just along the edge there so there was a guy like that last year who was it I'm trying to remember I feel like there's a ton of guys this year that have played no there was one specific guy because you just gave me deja vu of saying like oh yeah he moves like a uh he was a safety and he moves like a safety, but they moved him. Was it Owen Papo? Is that what I'm thinking of? I mean, he's kind of Marte Mapu, I guess. Oh, Servassier Dennis from Pitt. Okay. That's I used that's what I I because he had that profile where like he was prob he was a little different. He Pitt plays a really unique defensive system. So he didn't he played both safety and linebacker essentially. Like he did they kind of combine the Kyle Duggar role. Imagine Kyle Duggar role. Kyle Duggar's role involved more pass rushing. Where like they put him kind of off the tight end, and then you didn't know if he was either going to run with the tight end or rush. So he, it was this really unique thing. Anyway, is a little bit different. But I kind of said the same thing. Where it's like you're drafting a guy who unique makeup plays multiple spots. Like he's a guy who was a safety a year ago and is listed by some people as a defensive lineman. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like there were a bunch of guys this year that have like switched like the, uh, the safety from Utah. Who's like a run. He, he actually played running back still at college. And then like, Byron oh, uh, Murphy. Uh, Vaki, right? Yeah. Vaki. And then like Byron Murphy, the Texas defensive tackle who went first overall in your randomness yeah. mock draft today. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, he was like a running back and a linebacker. Now he's like this freakish defensive lineman. So there, there are a ton of these guys who have switched positions that are, are going to kind of, you know, should ball out. You think athletically at the combine and, and raise their stocks. But uh, very quick because we're under the gun here. 
uh, last two positions just either yeah. at that second or, or third level of the defense. Any names you you know might want to see climb this week? Some of the, these athletes or guys on on your radar. Um, I'm really curious. The guy who's just I'm I'm having a ton of trouble getting a read on his stock. I'm seeing him anywhere from you know the late 100s all the way down to like a fringe top 200 pick, and that is um, as I blank on his name from Auburn, uh, Jalen Simpson, who is another one of these combo guys. Came in as a boundary corner and played boundary corner for his first three years, and moved to free safety last year. He he's such a great fit for what the Patriots need, but it's a different conversation if you're taking him in the one thirties and one forties versus if you have to take him at 90. So I'm kind of curious how he tests and, and to get a, a better idea of how the league views him. And maybe that goes beyond testing. Maybe that's just kind of the reporting that comes out of the week directly or indirectly, right? People network. And then, you know, everybody goes and writes their mock drafts, with what they know, but they can't say, but they put it out there. So um, he's just somebody I, it, there's always a couple of players like this every year where it's like, he could go in the second, he could go in the fifth. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Right. So Jalen Simpson is that guy for me this year. One of those guys for me this year. And just because he's, they're not always guys I'm looking at for the Patriots. He's somebody I love, love, love the fit for the Patriots. So I'm interested in seeing a little more of what kind of how the league views him and what his deal is. Yeah. And it feels like there's a lot of those, you know, tall, lengthy corners who, you know, might interest the Patriots, you know, later in the draft, always interested to see how those guys, you know, can, can their size match the athleticism uh, and good test, uh, obviously this week to, to prove that. Yeah. So uh, that will do it. Uh, we're under the gun here. So we'll <laughs> sign off at six here, but uh, that is our combine preview. Uh, Elliot Wolf, who looks like the man in charge, will speak at the Combine tomorrow at 10 a.m., so make sure everyone tunes into that one. Uh, we'll be back sometime this week. We're still kind of figuring out the shows because I'm I'm traveling out there uh, with Taylor to go you know, watch some of this and, and talk to some of these players. So make sure you follow Patriot CLNS on Twitter, follow Alex on Twitter, and follow me on Twitter, and we will keep you guys up to date when 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 our shows are, are going to be live here over the next next week to break it down but also make sure you go over to 985thesportshub.com to read all alex's work on the combine as well as patspulpit.com to check out mine as well thank you all as always for tuning in tonight and we will see you guys sometime later this week <laughs>